Joining us here on set, we have Barry Nelson, who is uh, from Boston. He has dealt with lung cancer and Dr. Chris Lathan, Chief Clinical Access and Equity Officer, Faculty Director for Cancer Care Equity at uh, Dana-Farber. Gentlemen, good afternoon. Good, good afternoon. afternoon. Uh, Barry, let's just start with you. Where does your story begin? My story begins uh, March 2012. I was diagnosed with uh, advanced lung cancer, non-small cell, uh, stage 3B. And uh, the long and the short of it is, when I started this journey, I, st I didn't start with Dana-Farber. I had started someplace else, and I didn't feel like I was getting the care that I needed. I had gotten a second opinion from Dr. Lathan, so I talked to my primary care. I said, you know, I don't feel like this institution is supporting me. What can we do? He said, I'm going to, I see that we had a second uh, opinion. Can I schedule you for a follow-up? And we did, and I went, saw Dr. Lathan and explained to him why I wanted to come there. He says, well, Mr. Nelson, we're going to use all the tools in the toolbox that we have. And here we are 11 years later. <laughs> now, were you a smoker? Were you doing anything that a lot of just people in the outside world kind of connect to lung cancer? Or was this a shock? Well, yes, I was a smoker. Okay. For over 37 years. Wow. But that necessarily isn't the case with all lung right. cancer. Exactly. That, that's right. About 20% of people don't have any you know, tobacco exposure. And we don't really know what the cause is there. And we're seeing that more and more. And just to give you numbers-wise, Andy, that's about the same amount of people who get pancreatic cancer each year. So it's wow. a huge amount, that 20% of lung cancer. And the other thing I want to say about uh, tobacco exposure, yes, tobacco exposure is a risk. But I always say, you know, I'm a lung cancer doctor. And I would say, you know, nobody deserves lung cancer, whether you smoked or you didn't. I wouldn't, my, my cardiologist just to say, Chris, you ate a hamburger today, you don't get a cardiac stent, right? I think we really need to think about our preventive work. And this is the only cancer where people say, hey, well, what did you do to bring that cancer on? So I, 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 we have really had to fight through a lot of the stigma. And, and uh, Barry is really, he's, he's tremendous. He's done so much. So, so much. you're right, though. There is that stigma attached to it. And it's probably going to take a long time to kind of remove that. But the interesting part about your story is that you don't like the care that you're getting. Um, Dr. Lathan, you're you're there, and I'm assuming you have, you have a you get a lot of people knocking on your door asking for help, and I'm worrying if is there ever a, a you know a limit to the amount of people that that you personally can can care for. As an individual, uh, you know, that's a great question, Christian. The short answer is, you know, no, you go into this profession and you figure it out. You know, the clinicians, and you've met so many people today and yesterday, right, from your nurses, pharmacists, who, you know, the answer is, if somebody needs to be seen, we'll figure it out. Yeah. We'll figure it out. I don't care if my clinic is very busy. Right now, I'm doing a lot of administrative work, so I don't see as many patients as I used to, but if somebody asks me, then they're coming to see me, because that's my, that's my job, right? My job is to try to make it better. So I, I think the capacity is issue we're going to see it i mean we want to make sure that i don't have a job anymore that's what this telethon's about too right we want to make sure that i don't have we don't have to have all this uh you know treatment for cancer but until that is the case uh yeah we will take everybody and we will make capacity and make it happen uh dr lathan you're also the faculty director for cancer care equity can you sort of expand on what all of that means 
Yeah, sure. I think, you know, the goal there is, you know, when I started, you know, uh, 2002, when I came into the Dana-Farber from Boston Medical Center, one of the things I noticed was, you know, for working folks, and my dad drove a, drove a fork truck for a living. So I grew around working people all the time. Whatever their race, they were all working. And they were all struggling with things to just keep things going. And so when I came to the Dana-Farber, you know, a place that was dedicated and certainly in the Jimmy Fund on the pediatric side, always been dedicated to access, I thought, could we do even more to make sure that your neighbor the language you speak and, you know, any of the, the you know, people who are coming from historically marginalized communities can get the same care. We got all these great treatments that you've heard about. I want to make sure that everybody gets access to them. And that's really what that program is all about. Uh, so, Barry, uh, you went through chemotherapy and radiation at the same time. And then I know it says here that you just went to the standardized chemotherapy did that make it rougher on you going through two treatments at, at one time, or does it all just kind of blend together in the end for you? Um, when you say did it make it rougher, I don't really know how to compare that. All okay. I know is it was something that I hadn't experienced before. I knew it was something new, and uh, I just, you know, spent a lot of time in prayer just trying to manage, navigate through that process. But after I had gone through um, radiation and chemotherapy, I was actually blessed enough to be able to participate in a clinical trial for immunotherapy. And that's when I believe that things really changed in my life and really allows me to be here today because of that science. It's funny because we've been here, ironically funny in that, you know, Christian and I are on our six and a, a half, and it's the first time the clinical trial has come up, whereas last year it felt like there was a lot of clinical trial talk. So, uh, Dr. Lathan, where are we at in terms of clinical trials, things like that? I know there's a lot of them going on, and for some people it really is life-saving, but, you know, a lot of the $2.8 million already raised is going to go to a lot of clinical trials that have had major breakthroughs at Dana-Farber. That's right. So clinical trials for, for a cancer center like us, the goal is we have some tools, but the tools aren't perfect. So we want to make sure that we have that next level of treatment. So when, you know, Barry's being very modest. First of all, Barry, can I tell him how old you are? Can I tell him? So Barry's 70 years old. Uh, and he's been off therapy. He had a cancer that started out regional, and then it, and then it became metastatic in the sense that we couldn't treat it by cutting it out. We couldn't take it out. And we were talking about how are we going to deal with this. So he had gone through some standard treatments. He actually went through two clinical trials. He went through one clinical trial, which didn't work. And then he was uh, brave enough to try another clinical trial with immunotherapy, which is a standard treatment today. So every drug that we had started out in the experimental phase. So our job is to push the boundaries and make sure people have that choice. You don't have to be on a clinical trial. You can go on standard therapy. But sometimes I say to my patients, you know what, the standard therapy is not great here. Would you want to consider something? Would you want to consider an experimental therapy? And then many times the, the pace of our discovery has picked up so much. Andy, it's, it's incredible the therapies we have now that when I started my training, there was no therapy for. So clinical trials are a really important part of what we do, but not the only thing. I tell you what, see, I feel like we see every year, you're always uh, one of our uh, greatest, uh, best guests, and you're so informative. And just curious, it may catch you, uh, you know, uh, unaware of this question. Let's say it is gone, and you, you, don't, you don't have to do the work that you do. 
what is the first thing that? What do you spend your time doing? What's your number one hobby? Like, if, if your dream does come true, <laughs> what is it? I was like, well, what would you do? Like, what go. would you do? Like, would you start fishing? Are you become a lobster man? Like, what? What are you gonna do? Wow. So, Chris, first of all, kudos. I don't get caught off guard very I often. I knew I was gonna trip you Got up me. on that one. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know what I would like to do? Honestly, I love you know film and I I love reading and writing. So I would take a step back and you know do that and then try to continue to engage in communities and. And be, you know, try to get out there and talk to folks about, you know, my path and other paths. So I, I would take a minute and maybe not fish, but be by the lake for a second. My kids might disagree. My kids will say, Dad, you'll figure out something else to do. But I, I, I would take that moment. Yes, I would. Uh, and Barry, you are in remission. Everything is good. What is sort of life like for you now? Life is full. Uh, I, so my everyday life, I act as a cancer or I should say patient advocate. Mm -hmm. And uh, I volunteer not only at Dana-Farber, but also Brigham and Women's uh, Center for, for Patients and Families. I sit on a number of patient family advisory councils. Uh, I do a lot of outreach-type work, uh, volunteer work, where I'm helping patients and their families to guide through them and help them to understand how the system can possibly work for them. And also, you know, helping them to understand how important it is for them to advocate for themselves. Um, so many times I see patients that... Uh, like myself, who've been diagnosed with cancer, and they're not patients of Dana-Farber. And so we kind of discuss that. Sometimes I hear that they're not getting the best care, and I talk to them about that. Um, and I ask them, have they considered going to Dana-Farber? And a lot of times I get a little pushback because they feel like, well, maybe based on their insurance or other uh, social economic situations that they're facing, that maybe they won't be able to go to Dana-Farber. So that's where I really get engaged and say, listen, let me tell you my story. Let me tell you what, how me going to Dana-Farber has helped change my life, not only for me, but for my family. Barry, so, uh, that's a great story. It really is. And the fact that you're out there helping others realize they have a voice is massive in all this. Barry Nelson, he's beat lung cancer. <laughs> and Dr. Chris Lathan, Chief Clinical Access and Equity Officer, Faculty Director for the Cancer Care Equity at Dana-Farber. Guys, uh, congratulations. Yeah, on a, by the way, 70? Wow. No like, way. I would, I would not have thought. <laughs> that I was is, say. I checked the license yeah. on that one. Get <laughs> his real birth certificate. Yeah. <laughs> No. Lisa, mean, here's a copy of my break. Right. Were you a baseball player at one point in time? Like, did yeah. you fudge it coming in? You know what I mean? Like, Literally be one of those guys series. who are like, I'm really 31. I'm 21. Uh, start my career over. Thank guys, you for the thanks compliment. a bunch. We appreciate Thank it. You. Thank you, guys. Great Thank to you. see you. All right.